Uh, we're going to talk about today the promise of the Holy Spirit, and we'll begin with uh, verse 46 of Luke 24. Verse 46 says, and said, this is Jesus talking, and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So Jesus has just been raised from the dead. Of course, he's communicating to his disciples here, and he said, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in the name of Jesus among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. He said, and you are witnesses of these things. You're witnesses of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so then it is your responsibility to go and preach the gospel to all the nations. Now then in verse 49, and behold, I send you the promise of my Father, Upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So Jesus has given them specific instructions. He's given them a commission uh, to teach and preach to nations. And then he says, before you go, I want you to be endued with power from on high. So I'm sending you the promise of the Father. And he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So this power from on high that we will uh, study about today is the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to obey the commission that I've just given you, and that is to preach remission of sins and repentance to all nations. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. So he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with this power. So tarrying in Jerusalem, of course, was a command to them. Tarry in Jerusalem. So it doesn't mean that we have to tarry in Jerusalem. I just came back from Israel and obviously visited Jerusalem. And we also visited the upper room where it is believed that uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, they were to tarry in Jerusalem because that's where they were. They were to tarry there and wait. And they were to tarry until the day of Pentecost was fully come. And then they would be endued with power from on high. And the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or they would receive the promise of the Father, which was the endowment of power from on high. The Holy Spirit, the gift that God had given to them. And so now they were to receive the gift from the Father. So the promise of God to an unbeliever is a gift of eternal life. Someone who has never received Jesus Christ, uh, there is a promise. There's a promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is a promise that Jesus died for our sins so that anyone who would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. So you can receive the gift of eternal life simply by believing on 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's promise to an unbeliever is the gift of eternal life if they will believe on Jesus and receive him. God's promise to a believer is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is referred to in Scripture as a gift over and over again. And so the Holy Spirit is a gift. The person of the Holy Spirit is a gift that is promised to anyone who believes on Jesus Christ. And so anyone who believes on Jesus can and should be filled with the Holy Spirit or receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If God has offered us or promised to us the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we would want to receive him, right? If God has given us a promise that he will fill us with the Holy Spirit, then we want to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Different terminology is used in the New Testament. You can receive the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So all are talking about receiving the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to the book of Acts, and we'll look beginning with Acts chapter 1. And we'll begin with verse 1. The writer of Luke is also the writer of the book of Acts. And so Luke wrote or penned the book of uh, Acts. And uh, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit came on him to write the scripture. And so we have the inspired word of God. It is given by inspiration of God or it's God breathed and men moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote the scripture. And so here, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts as well as the book of Luke. And beginning with verse 1, he said, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So one of those locations is in the book of Luke where he has commissioned them and given them commandments. But then he was uh, ascended up on high and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But now in verse 3 he says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to to the kingdom of God. So Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to his apostles who were his disciples and became apostles, and he appeared to many others as well. We know that he appeared first to Mary Magdalene in the garden, and then, of course, he appeared to those two on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to uh, the disciples who were kind of hiding out, wondering what just happened. Their Savior died, you know. Jesus died on them. And uh, so uh, Jesus appeared to them and then, of course, later appeared again uh, to Thomas uh, because he didn't believe. And Jesus said, you can uh, put your finger in the nail prints of my hands or thrust your hand into my side. And, of course, when that occurred, Thomas believed Jesus. He said, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who haven't seen and yet will believe. And so he appeared to a number of different people. Of course, it says that he appeared to 500 brethren at once. In this particular verse, it says, by many infallible proofs. If you've got 500 plus people that have seen him after his resurrection, that would hold up in any court of law. Amen. So he said, by many infallible proofs, he appeared to people after his uh, resurrection 
And he was seen of them forty days and talked about things concerning the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. That they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. So again, he says, now I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I want you to tarry. He uses the word tarry over in the book of Luke in chapter 24. He said, tarry in Jerusalem. Tarry until you be endued with power from on high. In this case, he said, wait for the promise of the Father. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Then he says what this promise is in verse 5. He said, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, which is another terminology that Jesus uses and that is used in the New Testament regarding being filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. He said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, if you want to be a good Baptist, then you need to follow John. Amen. He baptized with water, right? We believe in baptizing with water. But also, he was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. So John was a good Baptist, right? If you want to be a good Catholic, you need to follow Mary. And Mary was in the upper room. She was one of those that tarried and waited for uh, the Holy Spirit to come. And so when the Holy Spirit came, what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be a good Lutheran, you want to go ahead and be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Or whatever denomination. We believe that God wants everybody to receive. Because the promise of the Holy Spirit was not just for the Pentecostals. When the day of Pentecost was fully come was not referring to Pentecostals. The day of Pentecost was God's plan. And the day of Pentecost was fully come. Then we call ourselves Pentecostals, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit and believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But you know, the Holy Spirit can fill anybody anywhere that believes in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so anybody can receive the promise because the promise was to any believer. Any believer can and should be filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember during the charismatic movement because, of course, that was part of my uh, life uh, you know, during the charismatic movement, there were Lutherans, Presbyterians, Catholics, Baptists, all kinds of people, all kinds of denominations. People were being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was happening everywhere. Why? Because people were hungry, and God poured out His Spirit in a new, fresh way, and people were filled and received and hungered and thirsted for the Holy Spirit and were filled. Because He said, those that hunger and thirst for uh, righteousness shall be what? Filled. There is a law of spiritual hunger that God will always feel hunger. If we are desirous after God, hungry for God, He'll always fill us. Well, in this case, He's made this promise of the the Holy Spirit. And he said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons 
which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. This is for you. He said, but you shall receive power. You don't know all of the things about when uh, he's going to set up his kingdom. But you can know this. You can receive the power of God. He said, you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And then he said, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So we see this same commission, really, uh, that he had given in Luke, in the book of Luke, the same thing is occurring here. You can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you're going to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and what? To the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, to the nations of the world. You can take the gospel, the gospel of repentance, the gospel of remission of sins, the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can take this gospel to the nations of the world. You can see the same commission in the uh, book of Matthew in chapter 28. He said uh, that you have authority. I give unto you authority uh, to go and teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so forth. Then you can see the same basic commission in the book of Mark, chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. In my name, believers. He said, believers will do what? They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll uh, cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues, right? New tongues, meaning when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. You get filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in a new language as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. So Jesus then commissions them to go into all the world and preach the gospel in Mark chapter 16. So in each case, he is commissioning them to go. But he said, before you go, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you receive this spirit or promise of God. God that I've promised you and anybody, any believer can receive the same promise, can receive the same Holy Spirit, can be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they can have this power of God to be a witness. Well, in their case, he said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. Now, it was just recently, this past week, we were in Jerusalem, but you don't have to go to Jerusalem to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, he was talking to them because they needed to tarry because that's where they were. Stay here until you're endued with power from on high. Wait for the promise of the Father. Neither do you have to tarry. Because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So in other words, you don't have to tarry. Listen, I was raised around Pentecost, you know, and so as a kid, and I saw people, they thought that they had to tarry and wait, and some people tarried many, 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 many years. They were tarrying and waiting, but really God was waiting on them. Uh, because they didn't re have good understanding. They hadn't been taught, you know, and they had been taught that you have to tarry and wait for the promise of the Father. But really, he's talking to them. Tarry and wait until the day of Pentecost is fully come. So when you're saved, you're ready. When you're born again, you're ready to receive. You're ready to receive. You qualify as a receiver. 
You qualify to receive the gift of the promise of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait. You don't have to tarry. You just ask. He said he would give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. And so any believer in Jesus can ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come upon them, fill them, and they can receive the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Amen. And so I would encourage anyone who is a believer who has not yet received the gift of the Holy Spirit, there are two basic reasons why people that are saved, born again, have not yet received the Holy Spirit. One reason why people that are saved, born again, haven't yet received the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit is because they've been taught that that's not for them. They've been taught in a way that it's not for everybody. It's just for a select few. There's a few that it's the will of God for, but it's not necessarily the will of God for you. Well, that kills faith right there. If you don't think it's God's will for you, obviously it's hard to believe that God will do it for you. But he didn't just promise it to a few. He promised the Holy Spirit to anyone who would believe. So the Holy Spirit is God's gift to every believer. Another reason why uh, people uh, uh, don't receive, even though they're saved, born again, is that they just have not been instructed. They've not been taught. Either they've been taught wrong contradictory to scripture or they've been untaught they haven't been taught or instructed because if a person is instructed clearly then they will actually be able to receive they can receive because faith comes by what hearing and hearing by the word of God so I've seen people tarry you know at the altar and walk away after the service disappointed because they didn't receive Then I've seen them come back the next time and try it again and tarry again and walk away disappointed because they didn't receive. Because they've been taught that tarrying and waiting is what's going to produce it. That they're finally going to get ready and become uh, ready or, uh, to actually receive what God has provided or offered a promise to them. And so they many times would go away disappointed. I remember years ago I was preaching at a little church in uh, Oklahoma, uh, Kiowa, Oklahoma. I'm sure you've been there. Uh, so I was preaching there. At, I was going to Bible school at Ramah. In Bible college at the time, and so I would preach wherever the doors opened, and so this door opened, so I went through it. So I went to preach there in the Kiowa, Oklahoma, and so at the end of my message, I offered the invitation for people to come forward to receive the Holy Spirit. It was a Spirit-filled church, so most people in the room were filled with the Holy Spirit. I offered the invitation. This lady came up, and she uh, wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so I said, well, let me just share a few scriptures. So I walk, or went through a few scriptures with her in the Bible, how she could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, I said, do you believe that when I pray for you, you're going to receive? She said, I hope so. So I just went back and read the same scriptures I just read to her again. And at the end of that, because that's what's going to bring faith, at the end of it, I said... Do you believe when I pray for you that you'll receive the Holy Spirit? And she said, well, I hope so. So I just read the same scriptures, third go round, read the same scriptures to her. And I got about halfway through and I saw the light came on. So I just stopped. I know she's ready. So the light came on. The Word of God gave her faith and confidence that she could receive. Well, this lady has been around Pentecost 
a, a large portion of her life. She had been seeking the Holy Spirit for 27 years. She had been tarrying for the Holy Spirit for 27 years. You know, you could be pretty disappointed after 27 years of seeking the same thing and never receiving Right, So she, she's been seeking all this time, but nobody really just walked through the Scripture and instructed her. If you're lacking in knowledge, even though you're around Spirit-filled people, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be filled or received. So I taught her the Word, gave her the Word, and faith came by hearing. She believed it. I said right there in the middle of my last go-around, my third go-around in those Scriptures, I said, do you believe that when I pray for you and lay hands on you that you'll receive the Holy Spirit? She said, I believe. So I prayed for her, laid hands on her. She spoke in tongues fluently. Why? Because she had faith. She had faith to receive what God had promised. The Word of God, all the promises of God. We just sang about it. All the promises of God in Him are what? Yes and amen. God didn't say, well, maybe so for some people, maybe not for others. You know, because sometimes people have been taught, well, it's the will of God for some and not the will of God for others. And they use the Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it's really talking about the operation of tongues in the church and the way the Holy Spirit manifests in in the local church, and so he's not talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. He's talking about how you use the gifts of the Spirit in the local church. So they just take that verse and they say, well, it's not God's will for everyone. Do every, does everyone speak with tongues? And that's what it says there. Does, do all speak with tongues? Well, he's talking about the operation. Not everyone has the gift of tongues in the sense of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, but everyone can be filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues for personal edification. Do you follow me? There is a distinct difference. And so, therefore, they'll just use that and say, well, it's not, not God's will for everyone. Some people do and some people don't. Most people that believe that don't. Why? Because they don't believe it is for them. Because they haven't been taught that it is the will of God for them. Well, Jesus didn't promise it to some and say, well, for, this is just for some of you. No, he said, is, this promise is for all. Well, let's just give you some uh, other instruction here. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Well, I'll just give you a little bit of background here. You know, he just said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, he had instructed them to do what? Tarry and wait until you re uh, receive or you're endued with power from on high or until you're baptized with the Holy Ghost. I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. And again, you don't have to tarry. Uh, if you had to tarry, then you'd also have to go to Jerusalem, right? Because he told them to tarry in Jerusalem. So he didn't say just tarry. He said tarry in Jerusalem. So I, I'm sure you don't want to have to go to Jerusalem just to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Right? So in this case, we'll go uh, a little background here. Here, uh, Jesus said that to them. And then they did what he said. They went in the upper room. We, as I said, we just went into the upper room where they believe that that is the place where the, uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, they went into the upper room, and what did they do? They prayed. They sought God. It says that they prayed. Mary was one of them. The mother of Jesus was one of them that was there in that upper room. Well, many were invited, but 120 showed up. 120 were praying in the upper room, and as they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And we'll pick it up now in chapter 2 and begin with verse 1. 
in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, in other words, this is what they're waiting for. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, God had a timetable, and it's about to happen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in what? One place, every one of them. It says back earlier in chapter 1, it says that there were about 120 of them, so they were all in one accord, and they were in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven and the, as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, so the presence of God just filled the room. If you have any, uh, you know, experience with the presence of God or the power of God, you can have that in your own personal life at the house. You can have it as well at the church, you know, where the presence of God just fills the room. And you know God just showed up. You say, well, God was already there, and he was. If you're here, he's here because God lives in you. Amen? And so Jesus is living on the inside of you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, so he's always with you. But then there are special times of demonstration of God's power. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit filled this room, and they were there all in one accord in one place, and the presence of God came as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So that tells me you can sit down and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you could stand up and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You could be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, while you're driving down the road. People have. People have been filled with the Holy Spirit in the bathtub. People have been filled with the Holy Spirit in the living room. People have been filled with the Spirit at the altar in church. People have been filled with the Spirit in the prayer room. People have been filled with the Spirit in all kinds of locations and all kinds of different postures. But the main thing is that you are just open and ready to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is God's promise to you and to me and to every believer. Anybody can. Everybody won't, but somebody will, and you have. Amen. And if you haven't, you you can. Amen. So it's God's will for every believer to be filled. Every believer can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and every believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's God's power to make you a more effective witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one good reason. So he says in verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. So the Holy Spirit comes to you as an individual as well as corporately. The Holy Spirit sat on each of them, and each person individually can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was like tongues, cloven tongues of fire. So it was like fire sat on your head. I'm telling you, if fire gets on your head, you're going to move. Something's going to move. Fire gets on your head, you're going to move. Amen? All right, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled. Everybody say all. All of them were filled. All of who? About 120 people uh, in the upper room. And it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if the promise was just to select few, the indication would be that some of them would be filled and some of them would not, right? But the promise was not just to a few. The promise was to everyone. And he said they were all filled. So all 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. So you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the initial sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit, I said the initial sign, meaning the first sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. It's certainly not the only sign. Jesus has just given, given us another sign 
about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power and you'll be a witness. So a bold witness will be a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But one of the signs and the initial sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit we see here is that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to what? Speak with other tongues. Speak with other tongues. What does that mean? That means other tongues other than what your tongue is. In other words, uh, the scripture in 1 Corinthians, it says it this way. If you speak in an unknown tongue. In other words, it's an unknown tongue to you. You didn't learn it. You didn't grow up talking that language or speaking that language. It was a language that was given by the Holy Spirit enabling you to speak. Now let's look at the verse again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues or an unknown tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the utterance or gives you the words or gives you the ability to speak in this language. Unknown to you, not learned by you, but supernaturally given to you, enabling you to talk to God. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it said that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you're speaking not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit in the spirit, you're speaking mysteries or divine secrets with God. In other words, you are able to talk to God, commune with God in a way that supernaturally is given to you that you could not do without the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit helps you to talk to God and helps you to pray to God, helps you to pray. He says in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit helps you and he takes hold together with you and helps you to pray and say things that you don't know how to say as you ought to pray. Amen. Helps you to pray as you don't know how to pray. I mean, God helps you to pray things when you pray in the Holy Spirit that are beyond what you could do naturally because you don't know how to pray as you ought to fully. You understand? And so that's not my primary focus right uh, here today, so we'll stay on this course. So we are praying in the Holy Ghost or speaking in an unknown tongue as the Holy Spirit gives us the utterance or gives us the ability. So what kind of tongues were these? These are tongues that you didn't learn, but somebody else may know. For example, over in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is talking about love. In chapter 12, he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 13, he talks about uh, walking in love and that this should should be the motivation of any gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then chapter 14, he talks about the use of the gifts of the Spirit in the local church. And so, he tells you what the motivation for gifts of the Holy Spirit would be. And in that particular passage, he said, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity or love, that it profits me nothing. In other words, you should be motivated by love in anything that you do. Amen? And so, in this case, uh, we could speak in the tongues of men or of angels, according to that verse. Well, let's keep reading here, and uh, we'll, we'll see that these people began to speak in languages that other people heard because there were people that were there from all different nations. And let's go to verse 5. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So people had gathered from different nations under heaven, it says. And when this was noised abroad, multitudes came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. 
So they began to hear them speak in their own language. In other words, these people, these 120 people that were in the upper room, they got out of the upper room and they were praying in tongues, speaking in other tongues in the street. And they started hearing them speak. And they were confounded because they heard them speak in their own language. And they, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Aren't they from here in Galilee? These are just men of Galilee. What are they doing speaking in our language? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So these people from different nations of the world here, they're saying, how do we hear them speak in our tongue? Uh, the, the, wherein we were born, the tongue or the language that we learn from our birth. He said, Parthians, and in names of Medes and Elamites, and dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians. And we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. We hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Paul said when you're praying in unknown tongues, you're blessing God. You bless God well, he said, by praying in other tongues, in an unknown tongue. And hearing them speak in their own tongues, the wonderful works of God, and in the tongues that these men, these Galileans did not learn. They didn't know these tongues, but they were able to speak supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And so they were all amazed and in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? What does this mean? Others mocking, saying, These men are full of new wine. But Peter stands up, and he preached the gospel. And he said, These are not drunken, in verse 15, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's too early for that. So he said, But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. So this is what Joel prophesied. So here Peter is explaining what just has happened. And he explains it with the Bible. He uses the Old Testament scripture. He uses the prophet Joel. And he draws the scripture from there. And he begins to explain what has just happened. And he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So he said, this is the Holy Spirit that Joel prophesied concerning And now your handmaidens and your servants. He said, all of God's servants and handmaidens will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, they're going to prophesy. Prophesy is a utterance in a known tongue, inspired utterance in a known tongue. So it is supernatural utterance that is given by God. But I'll tell you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're speaking in an inspired way that is by the Holy Spirit in an unknown tongue. You're able to speak to God. You're able to speak out by the Holy Spirit and you're talking directly to God and God hears you and responds to you. So I would urge you to do what Paul Paul said. He said, I speak with tongues more than you all. He said, I do this all the time. I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. Now he was talking to a church of people that he was trying to bring some correction and and give them some understanding because they were just doing it.
doing it uh, sporadically a little bit too much in church. And so he's just trying to give them some guidance. But he said, by the way, I speak with tongues more than you all. So I'm not telling you not to. I'm just telling you how to. Amen. How to manage it. How to do it appropriately. And so as when we talk about the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, we're talking about anybody can do this. Any believer can do this. Any believer. Because the promise is to you. Amen. This is a promise of God that God fulfilled. He poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is still here and the Holy Spirit is still filling people and the Holy Spirit wants you filled and He wants you empowered. He wants you to be endued with power from on high and when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes you a bold witness. Amen. So let's go to verse 32. I'm skipping for the sake of time, not because it's not important. But verse 32 of the same chapter. And Jesus has God raised up where we are all witnesses. Therefore being, Peter's still preaching here. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted. So Jesus is now exalted. Peter is preaching the gospel On the day of Pentecost, he said, God has exalted him to his right hand, and he has received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Jesus received the promise of the Holy Ghost, and now has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. So he's saying now, Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. He's received the promise of the Holy Ghost, and he's shed forth this. In other words, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and now you see and you hear. In other words, there's so much demonstration going on. They see the power of God, and they hear supernatural utterance that is beyond the natural. It is something that these men and people did not know naturally, but they're speaking supernaturally in an unknown tongue, and they're hearing it in their language, and they understand what they're saying. There's a lady in our church many years ago. Still, still a friend of our church, but lives in Pahrump, and she goes to church over there. But she spoke like seven languages. And so she, you know, periodically she say, I, I heard you speak, and I understood what you said. Why? Because she understood languages that I was speaking in. And so the Spirit of God, sometimes, I remember uh, Mark Hankins, you know, he, he, one of his first traveling to uh, Africa, he was actually... Uh, a young man, and he went to Africa and was preaching there some with uh, Ralph Hagemeyer, who was a, a missionary there. And uh, he took him out in the bush country, and he was preaching in this little church in the bush. And so uh, he prayed for this lady to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, pretty much unlearned and, and uh, didn't have a lot of uh, knowledge as far as education and uh, knew for sure this woman can't speak English, but he prayed for her to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And instead of speaking Swahili, she, spe- she began to speak uh, English. And he said she spoke fluent English. Here he is praying for her to get filled with the Holy Spirit, and she spoke fluent, fluent English, and he knew good and well she couldn't speak English. So God could do that as a sign, couldn't he? 
And he has done it many times, and we could tell you story after story, many times where he has done that because it is, in most cases, it is a language of some people group somewhere, and now you're speaking it supernaturally to God. He understands it when they say it in their language, and he understands it when you say it in their language. In other words, he understands all language. Praise God. And he understands how to talk to everybody and how to listen to anyone, any place, at any time. And so God gives us supernatural language so we can do what we would call a head bypass. In other words, you can bypass your head or your lack of knowledge or understanding, and the Holy Spirit can help you to pray to the Father. Divine secrets, supernatural help from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He takes hold together with you, and he helps you to pray. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to give you one more verse or a few more verses there at the end of the uh, latter part of the chapter in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Sounds like what Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 24, doesn't it? He said, Teach them, or preach to them repentance and remission of sins. And so that's what Peter's doing. When he's baptized in the Holy Ghost, he said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive. The gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive. So repent. In other words, be baptized. Now you get saved. You get baptized. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, for the promise. And he refers again to it as a promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He said, this promise of the Holy Spirit is to you. It's to your children. Is to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So here we are. In this generation, God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has given you the new birth. He's given you new life. He's given you eternal life. He saved you. He's made you his own child. And he says, as his child, he said, I've promised you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you can also receive this power from on high. You can be endued with power from on high. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to wait. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You can get it right where you're at anytime, place. If you simply believe to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.